mending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light 'em up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of sight. Good afternoon and welcome to Stone's Throw. This is Veronica Faison doing my best to fill in for Jennifer Stone. Jennifer is off still celebrating the birth of our nation. And in a way, I guess we are still here commemorating it. Uh, it's my pleasure to introduce you to Mr. Curtis Whitener Sims, actor and director. He's spent over 25 years with Berkeley Black Repertory Group and also Shotgun Players, for instance. And Mr. Whitener Sims is here because he'd like to perform an excerpt from Frederick Douglass's Independence Day speech. Good afternoon, Mr. Whitener's Curtis. Hi. Hi, how are you, Curtis? Oh, all right. All right, Curtis, it's my pleasure. Now, uh, I just want to ask you, what is it about this particular speech that has drawn you uh, to the point of you doing a performance of it? Well, I, I'm originally from the South, and um, I came up prior to the uh, Civil Rights Movement when uh, we were basically one step removed from slavery. Um, I've always been attracted to Douglas, and in this particular speech, um, it seemed that he covers so much of what concerns us. You know, and um, it says a lot about him and the fact that he could not only say this, but be someone that was willing to publicly say things that he said and how he said them, especially when he said them. So, in other words, you're saying that um, the concerns that he addressed in the speech are certainly still with us today. They haven't been worked out. Oh, are you serious? Well, that's kind of... (laughs) Okay, let me stop and be serious here. Now, uh, Frederick Douglass says... Some people may be aware of or not it was an abolitionist. He was a slave, born into slavery. And uh, in 1818, Douglas realized as a, at a young age that education was the pathway from slavery to freedom. Do you agree with that? Of course. Curtis? It's one of the ways from slavery to freedom. Uh, well, you have to understand it, that when that was written it was a deaf offense for africans to be able to learn how to read and write uh-huh. you know and um they understood and well the white masters understood the power of language yes and douglas is simply stating that without language you don't get educated with it with it you become somewhat of a danger to those who would prefer you not be uh, mm-hmm. of a certain status. Well, you know, uh, maybe we'll discuss that a little bit more um, later on. Actually, I'm going to give the number because we will open up the phone lines at about 
20 minutes after the hour. The telephone number is 510-848-4425 or 1-800-958-9008. Mr. Whitener Sims, I have to keep calling him that. This is my southern roots coming out here. He's channeling in the, for me. Um, we'll do his performance. But first, I would like to read uh, this introduction. We, the African people of American slave descent, have had many great leaders through our history. And one, if not the greatest, was Frederick Douglass. Born into slavery in 1818, Douglass realized, as I mentioned, at a young age that education was the pathway from slavery to freedom. Now, on July 5th, 1852, at Rochester Hall in Rochester, New York, Douglas delivered what has become known as his famous Fourth of July oration. In it, to illustrate the full shame of slavery, Douglas took aim at the pieties of the nation, the cherished memories of its revolution, its principles of liberty, and its moral and religious foundation. The 4th of July, a day of celebration, celebrating freedom, was used by Douglas to remind his audience of liberty's unfinished business. Ladies and gentlemen, Frederick Douglass. Mr. President, friends, fellow citizens, he who could address this audience without a quailing sensation has stronger nerves than I have. I do not remember ever to have appeared as a speaker before any assembly, most frequently, nor with greater distrust of my ability than I do this day. A feeling has crept over me, quite unfavorable to the exercise of my limited powers of speech. The task before me is one which requires much previous thought and study for its proper performance. I know that apologies of this sort are generally considered flat and unmeaning. I trust, however, that mine will not be so considered. If I seemed at ease, my appearance would much misrepresent me. The little experience I have had in addressing public meetings in country schoolhouses avails me nothing on the present occasion. The papers and placards say that I am to deliver a 4th of July oration. (laughs) That certainly sounds large and out of the common way. For it is true that I have often had the privilege of speaking in this beautiful hall and to address many who now honor me with their presence. But neither their familiar faces nor the perfect gauge I think I have for Corinthian halls seem to free me from embarrassment. The fact is, ladies and gentlemen, the distance between this platform and the slave plantation from which I escaped is considerable. And the difficulties to be overcome getting from the latter to the former are by no means slight. That I am here today, to me, 
is a matter of astonishment as well as of gratitude. Therefore, you will not be surprised in what I have to say. I invest no elaborate preparations, nor grace my speech with any high-sounding exordium. With little learning and less education, I have been able to throw my thoughts hastily and imperfectly together, entrusting to your patience and generous indulgence. I will now proceed to lay them before you. This, for the purpose of this celebration, is the 4th of July. It is the birthday of your national independence and of your political freedom. This day is to you what the Passover was to the emancipated people of God. This day carries your mind back to the day and to the act of your national deliverance and to the signs and to the wonders associated with that act and that day. This celebration also serves to remind you that the Republic of America is 76 years old. I am glad, fellow citizens, that your nation is so young. Seventy-six years, a good old age for a man, a speck in the life of a nation. Three score year and ten is the allotted time for individual men. Nations number their years in thousands. It is according to this fact that you are now only in the beginning of your national career still lingering in that period of childhood. I repeat, I am glad this is so. There is hope in the thought, and hope is much needed under the dark clouds that lower above the horizon. The eye of the reformer is met with angry flashes, portending disastrous times. But his heart may yet beat lighter at the thought that America is so young, still in that impressible stage of her existence. With the nation older, and the reformer's brow heavier, and the problems of his prophets go out in sorrow. But there is consolation in the thought that America is young. Great streams are not easily turned from channels worn deep in the course of ages. They may sometimes rise up in quiet and stately majesty, inundating the land, fertilizing and refreshing the earth with their mysterious properties. They may also rise up in wrath and fury and bear away on their angry waves the accumulated wealth of years of toil and hardship. Then, gradually, flow back to old channels and flow on as serenely as ever. But while the course of rivers may not be turned, they may dry up and leave behind only the withered branches and unsightly rocks to howl in the abyss-sweeping wind, the sad tale of departed glory. As with rivers, so with nations. Fellow citizens, I will not assume to dwell at length on the associations that cluster about this day. 
The simple story is that 76 years ago, you were under the British crown. The style and title of your sovereign people in which you now glory was not then born. You were British subjects. Your fathers esteemed the English government as the home government and England as the fatherland. But this home government, you know, though a considerable distance from your home, did impose upon its colonial children such burdens and restraints as it deemed in its mature judgments to be wise, right, and proper. But your fathers, who had not yet adapted the fashionable ideals of this day, of the infallibility of government and of the absolute character of its causes, did presume to differ with this home government over the wisdom and justice of some of these burdens and restraints. They went so far in their excitement as to complain that some of these burdens and limitations were unjust and oppressive, and as altogether ought not to be quietly submitted to. Fellow citizens, I need not declare that my opinion fully accord with that of your fathers. But such a declaration on my part would not meant much of anything to anyone. It certainly says nothing as to the part I would have taken had I lived during the great controversy of 1776. To now say that America was right and England wrong is exceedingly easy. Everybody can do it. The dastard as well as the noble brave can flippantly discant on the tyranny of England against the American colonies. It is fashionable to do so. But there was a time when to pronounce against England in favor of the cause of the colonies tried men's souls. Those who did were accounted in their day as plotters of mischief, agitators, and rebels, dangerous men, to side with the right against the wrong, with the weak against the strong, with the oppressed against the oppressor. Here lies the merit. But the one which does not seem at all fashionable in our day... Fellow citizens, I will not, I shall not presume to, well, let's see, finding themselves harshly and unjustly treated. Your fathers, like men of earnesty, earnestly sought redress. They demonstrated and petitioned they did so in a most decorous manner, but they found that this did not meet the cause. With that arrogance that has been the hallmark of tyrants since Pharaoh and his host drowned in the Red Sea, Britain persisted in the exactations consisted of. But your fathers, on the 2nd of July, 1776, the old Continental Congress, to the dismay of lovers of ease and the worshippers of property, clothed the dreadful ideal of independence in all the authority of a national sanction. They did so in the form of a revolution, resolution, 
And as we seldom hit upon such resolutions drawn up in our day, whose transparency is at all equal to this, it may refresh your minds and help my story if I read it. Resolve that these united colonies are, and of right, are to be free and independent states, that they are absorbed from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the great state of Britain is and ought to be resolved. Citizens, your fathers made good that resolution. They succeeded. And today you reap the fruits of their success. The freedom gained is yours, and you, therefore, may properly celebrate this anniversary. The 4th of July is the first great fact in your national history. Fellow citizens, I am not wanting in respect for the founders of this republic. The signers of the Declaration of Independence were brave men. They were great men, great enough to give fame to a great age. Seldom does a nation raise up at one time so many truly great men. They cared more about the interests of their country than their own personal self-interests. And though this is not the highest of 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 Virtues, it is still nonetheless a rare one, and one when, when we, we observe, we should respect. But if I have any reason to be here today, it is because of the present. The time for God and his cause is the ever-living now. We have to do with the past only as we can make it useful to the present and to the future to all inspiring motives, to noble deeds which can be gained from the past, we are welcome. But now is the time, the important time. Your fathers have lived, died, and done their work, and have done much of it well. You must now live, die, and do your work. But you are not entitled to a child's year of his father's labor if your children are not to be blessed by your labors. It was fashionable a year, hundreds of years ago, for the children of Jacob to shout, We have Abraham to our father, long after they had lost Abraham's spirit and faith, that men would contend themselves under his great name while repudiating that which made his name great. Need I remind you, that we have a similar circumstance in this country today. Need I tell you that the Jews are not the only people who built up the temple of the prophets and garnered the sepulcher of the righteous. Washington could not die until he had broken the chains of his slaves. But his monument is built up on the price of blood. And the buyers and sellers and the bodies and souls of men shout, we have Washington to our father, that it should be so, yet so it is. The good that men do is interred with their bones.
the evil often live after them. Fellow citizens, pardon me and allow me to ask, why have I been called upon to speak here today? What have I or those that I represent to do with your national independence? Are the great principles of political freedom and of natural justice embodied in that Declaration of Independence extended to us? And am I therefore called upon to bring our humble offering to the national altar and to confess the blessings and express devout gratitude for the benefits resulting from your independence to us? Would to God, both for your sake and ours, that an affirmative answer could be truthfully returned to these questions. Then would my task be light, and my burden easy and delightful. For who is there so cold that a nation's sympathy could not warm him? Who? so obdurate and dead to the claims of gratitude that would not thankfully acknowledge such priceless benefits, who so stoic and selfish that would not give his voice to swell the hallelujahs of a nation's jubilee once the chains of servitude had been torn from his limbs. I am not that man. Wow. That's overwhelming. Frederick Douglass really unpacked the basic problem. Not only that the idea of the mental state that allowed slavery to be created in the first place, but also certainly to nurture its existence. And, uh, you know, I'd like to talk something a little bit about this business of the pathway from slavery to freedom is education. I just wonder, do you think that's a direct route or is it pretty circuitous? I mean, oh, oh, I think it's a necessary adjective getting there uh, in and of itself. It's not going to do anything, you know, I mean, at least not to gain freedom for anyone. Right. Uh, but hopefully that it can stimulate the desire. Well, obviously, we're, ta we're talking about, you know, in 1852, when Frederick Douglass gave this speech, there were people still physically in slavery. Of course, that was so. Hard. Okay, so now what has happened since then on this path from slavery to freedom? Uh, we have to deal with prejudice, which in a way is can be experienced by some as a psychological slavery. What do you think? Yes, I, you know, slavery left a lot of scars, and the primary scars are, are mental. Um, you know, one of the things I find is that, unlike what people would like to say, uh, the truth is not necessarily all the time pretty. I know. You know, and I think we sometimes don't want to face the harsh reality 
of our past, you know. As, as it relates to our present. As it relates to our future. <laughs> yes, we actually have a caller on the line. We have Daniel. Hey, Daniel. Hello, Veronica. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. And yourself? I'm doing fine. What do you have Good. to say to Mr. Whitener Sims here? Well, um, I say this first off. His reading of Frederick Douglass was eloquent, and thank you. Thank you. Uh, as regards the concept of celebrating the 4th of July, while I believe that in the long run, I think it's well evidenced that I'm, I'm not going to use a religious, but some people might, might say God, um, I'll just say the cosmos. In the long run, all things serve the cosmos. But having said that, uh, that's a very, very long time. And okay, I see okay, little, Daniel, he, I'm going to have to ask you. Me, I, this is just the end of it. Okay. And, and I see very little evidence that Homo sapiens collectively have done anything to further the betterment of that long, long journey. Okay, thank you so much, Daniel, for your comments. And the telephone number is 510-848-4425. We have time for just another call or two or 1-800-958-5008. And certainly this is a subject that we won't have time to do justice to. Um, you know, what do you have to say? I, no, I would just like to say on the comment he was made about celebrating 4th of July. Right, okay. One of the historical points about this speech is is that Frederick Douglass was originally invited to give this speech and he turned it down and though he was entreated on several occasions to give it he turned it down and his reasoning was was that while four million of his brethren was still in slavery he found nothing to celebrate right yes and I wonder if he'd celebrate it today so this well, is, he eventually gave in to the entreaties of his fellow abolitionists to gave, make this speech. Right. He gave the speech. Yes. But I wonder now that the nation is 235 years old, if he would think there's anything to celebrate now. Uh, if I he would, would look at conditions, not. I mean, he might be absolutely thrilled that we have President Obama and a man of African and American descent in the White House. Oh, I wouldn't doubt that he wouldn't be thrilled about that. However, it's the masses and the problems of the masses of the African people of American slave descent in this country uh -huh. that I think would be disappointing to him. Okay, we have Susan from Oakland. Hi, Susan. Hi. Um, I Thank you so much for the reading of the first part of the speech. I've heard the latter part sometimes, but the first part is very moving. And in regard to the education, by educating us about Douglas, that helps us free ourselves. So um, it doesn't have to be classical school education. KPFA and your guest are educating us about our true history. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Susan. It's wonderful. I, I agree completely. That's part of our mission here is to not only um, present people with information that might not be available on a regular basis, but certainly by opening up the phone lines, we allow people to express their opinion about it. It's very important. Thank you so much, Thank Curtis, you. for coming here today and giving this wonderful recitation and also just shedding a little bit more light on not only... Uh, 
Frederick Douglass's point of view here, but also this issue that we've this enormous pink elephant in oh, the yeah. room. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Hakeem. Okay, we can squeeze Hakeem in. Hakeem. Hi, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing fine. Thanks for calling. Very good. Thank you. The, the, the speech was very, very great, brother. Oh, thank There's you. one thing I can say. I'm very, I, I love Frederick Douglass also. I think uh, one of the speeches that he was able to stand up against Jefferson and tell Jefferson that America was a democracy but a hypocrite at the same time. Of course. Yeah. You know this. You know, oh, yeah. he, he gave that speech. So to say that is... We'll have that one next time, Hakeem. Okay. <laughs> so what I'm going to say now, we just got, we have to learn how to help one another now. That's how we break the chain. Oh, yeah. If we can come back and help one another without any prejudice or anger or bitterness, as Malcolm said, who taught you how to hate yourself? Okay. Okay. All right, Hashim. Thank, Thank you, you so much. That. That's a wonderful note for us to close on here. And that just basically wraps it up. I want to thank Mr. Curtis Whitener-Sims for gracing us with his presence and also sharing his eloquence with us. And I also want to thank uh, Frank Sterling. He is the engineer par excellence and extraordinaire. And also I'd like to thank Jennifer Stone. Jennifer, I know you're out there listening, even though I thought you wouldn't be. Um, thank you for this opportunity to take over the airways for a moment and as i mentioned jennifer will be back next week hope you're having a good day and um thanks for listening and thank you for inviting me all right the <laughs> shadow.